you know, it's like if you have a hole in your roof, the complaint will be water on the ground. But it's like, so if you just keep mopping or just concentrating that, you need to take a step back and see like, all right, if I fix this hole in the roof. This runs radio episode 1140 starts in three, two. Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Real quick, before we dive into today's episode of the show, today's episode is brought to you by Ye Old Consult Call. Need a little help with something, something related to your running? Need to pick my mind? Want to pick my mind? Maybe you want to get a little outside perspective? I don't know. I don't know what you need, but I do know that the consult call is there to, to kind of help with a lot of different things, at least hopefully to help with a lot of different things. Give you some clarity, give you some some advice, something to think about. Whatever running issues you might be struggling with, 20, 30 minutes chit-chatting on the uh, the phone, the Skype, the Zoom, the Google Hangouts, whatever whatever works best for you works for me. We can make it happen. If that is something that might be useful for you, disruns.com slash consultation is the link. Disruns.com slash consultation. That'll take you right there to the page. Bada boom, bada bam. You get signed up. You get on my calendar. I give you a call when you need it. So it's there if you need it. Now, in the future, whenever whenever it might be useful for you, if I can help you, happy to do so. Dizruns.com slash consultation. Now, without any further ado, let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey, y'all. Uh, my guest today is someone that uh, brings a lot to the table, and I'm already a little bit worried that uh, we're not going to be able to, to cover everything today, which, which I suppose means we might have to get this gentleman back on the show at some point down the road, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Uh, today's guest has run on the international stage in his career several times um, and, and has posted times in the 5K and 10K that like I, I can't even begin to wrap my head around, uh, you know, 14 minutes, sub 14 in the in the 5K, I think, sub sub 30 in the, in the 10K, just just blazing fast, um, at least as far as I'm concerned. Uh, he's also, you know, maybe slowed down a little bit as he's gotten older, as maybe a lot of us have, but he's also uh, currently the 3000 meter European Masters indoor champion. So uh, clearly, he's still running at a pretty high level, uh, still picking him up and putting him down at this point in his career. But uh, maybe what I find the most interesting and, and why I'm maybe the most excited to have him on the show today is that uh, he also has a PhD in biomechanics. And if you've been listening to the show very long, you know you know how m- much I enjoy getting into the weeds on some mechanics of running, how that impacts performance, injury risk, all, all of the, the nuts and bolts stuff. Um, so we'll try not to get too deep in the weeds today, but I make no promises on that front. Uh, anyway, needless to say, lots to talk about today. So uh, let's get to it and welcome Dr. Owen Everard to the show. So thanks for joining us today, Owen. Really appreciate it. Denny, thanks so much. I'm pumped after hearing that. Yeah, well, good, good. That's it's better than saying uh, you know coming on and be like you got everything wrong, and I I don't even want to talk to you anymore, which I I don't think I've had that before. But you know, there's always a first time for uh, everything. Or he's not got much to offer, but we'll try to see. Yeah, how we'll, we'll, we'll get just see out. what happens. We'll just see what happens. <laughs> uh, anyway, y'all, if you enjoyed today's conversation and uh, want to, can I kind of kind of connect with Owen. Uh, his website is a good place. He's also got a, a really great free resource there. Um, a book about helping you get to the, the uh, starting line of your race in the best shape possible. The website is everardpilates.com. E-V-E-R-A-R-D. 
Pilates, P-I-L-A-T-E-S.com. And you get the book for free just going to everardpilates.com slash book. Instagram, the handle there is at Everard Physio Pilates. So we got we got a, one little extra word tucked in there. Make it complicated, but we'll get you sorted. Everard Physio Pilates on Instagram. Dizruns.com slash 1140. Of course, we'll have everything linked up there. We'll, we'll have the, the direct link to the book, link to the website, link to the Instagram handle. And of course, anything else we talk about today, Dizruns.com slash 1140. So, oh, and the way we always uh, start off every conversation here on the show is with a pretty simple question. Sometimes it's an easy one to answer. Sometimes it's a little bit complicated. And uh, I feel like you've got you've got some options to choose from, just from the little bit I know about your kind of racing history. Uh, but one way or the other, this is a good place to start the conversation. It's just to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? I would say the mile, 1,500 meters, the mile. Um, you kind of have enough time in that race to, um, you know, like still get positioned and then but it's also very fast and I kind of like the faster races. So um, I'm, even though I have, I have run 2950 and 1358, I actually rather the shorter distances, but I'm probably just getting a bit old to be still fast at them. Yeah. And it's, it's, I have this conversation maybe, or this line of thought a little bit more sometimes with the ultra runs, just because I have probably more ultra runners than, than track folks on the show. Um, but everything's always relative. Cause you're like, Oh yeah. The, you know, the, 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 the mile 1500 meters is long enough. And, and, uh, I feel like for me, like I haven't even got started until I'm at at least 5k, if not, if not yeah, even, funny, a, you know, a little yeah, bit farther yeah, yeah. than that. Um, and so if you're for a race to be over, you know, in 1500 meters, like goodness gracious, but one of the beauties of our sport, you know, whether you want to go short and fast, you know, 60 meters, even indoor or whatever the case might be some of the, the real short sprints, um, obviously up to, you know, ultra marathon distances that are just getting yes. crazier and crazier every year. You can, you can find your spot in the sport no matter what. Yeah, exactly. That's the actually brilliant thing about it. For sure. So how'd you get started in the sport, Owen? I mean, obviously running at a pretty high level, I'm assuming it kind of got started early, but where'd you first dip your toes into the running waters? Yeah, it was always kind of sporty. Like my family are very sporty. So um, I just would have started locally running. And then my brother, he, like, I was not really taking it serious, maybe up to like 15, 16. And then my younger brother happened to like, like qualify to run for Ireland. He, he just, he, in fairness, he trained very hard for like a few months. He, uh, qualified for a race. And after that, he just constantly rib us about running for Ireland and none of us had done it. And he'd like nearly just come down in his Irish tracksuit, <laughs> just have breakfast, wouldn't even say a word. And you're like, Killian, and just like go back upstairs, take it off. So, then I was just purely like extrinsic motivation of, oh my God, I just have to run for Ireland at least one time to like essentially shut him up. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's where I started. I started getting into running, started like 800 meters at like 16, um, running seriously. And it took a few years to like eventually ran for Ireland, um, at the European junior championships. And then by that stage I had the bug and, uh, been going for basically 20 years since then wow what was you know with, with that you know kind of uh you know seeing, seeing your brother uh what, what was it like when you when you got your first irish kit and like it, it is official we're, we're we're doing this yeah it was great like because i've been um very close a few times like say top six would have gone to like uh, the cross country European like different little championships um, and I always seemed to I came seventh like two years in a row but like all these things are like I find that 
there's a saying my mom always says she didn't come up with it or anything but what spur you won't pass you and i feel like if i had got those early on say if i I think i came seventh like pretty quickly after like maybe training for a year but potentially i could have been out of the sport then at 17 but the fact that like i was getting close um but not getting there allowed me to realize yeah you are good at this and start to enjoy it a bit more and um by the time I actually qualified for Ireland, it was it was great. It was an unbelievable experience. Like I, the I had ran point one of a second too slow, and I thought the deadline was finished. And then they they extended the deadline by one more one more weekend. I had to fly to England, and I was like, my hotel room wasn't ready, so I was like sleeping under a tree for like the whole day, eating just a KFC because you know it was just like nothing and then uh i like hit the time to go to run so it was it was like it was still amazing like it's still probably top three favorite race of all time that one um but um by that stage i kind of realized i was good and i enjoyed it so you know sometimes we can have setbacks and we're upset with it um but it can be the best thing the same thing i i was looking towards trying to qualify for the olympics in like 2012 so at 2010 it would have been like get to the European senior championships and then that would get you the funding to, you know, run and show that you're serious to get to 2012. And I, I had my like worst year running that year, but it was like a blessing because I wouldn't change that. Even though I never got to the Olympics, I got to European senior championships and like world student games. But what that gave me was like perspective. I was always very nervous about running. Um, you know, I wouldn't sleep well before and I, I, I thought I'd nearly be letting people down, like subconsciously thinking about it. And um, the fact that I ran terribly that whole year made me got got perspective that like, look, your friends don't care. You know, like I love to write a book like no one gives an S, mm-hmm. S1T basically, um, SH1T that in a good way that like people think sometimes, oh, why am I like we're we're constantly pushing or we're constantly thinking others are um, judging us and like you know the fact that I was able to run poorly allowed me to enjoy running later on in my career in my later 20s and you know actually qualify for European seniors I never got to the Olympics but honestly I, if I if you could give me got to the Olympics but not learn those lessons right. I wouldn't pick that you know because um, I just love running now and I, I didn't while I enjoyed it, the the racing part, I used to get so nervous where once I got that perspective, it was just like a complete change. Mm-hmm. Do, do you have, and an, you know, obviously there's a lot of, of hindsight here that, that maybe you do, maybe you don't, but any ideas why that, that one year um, where you're trying to make that leap to, to potentially have a shot at the Olympics that, that arguably, at least at that point in your running career, the, the biggest year of your, your running career, um, any idea why, why it was, such a such a, a bad a poor you know poor year as far as performance goes and and not you know coming coming to where you wanted to be to to yeah, make that step. I think I think like ninety percent of it like there is definitely like there was emotional stress. I was just putting too much pressure on training. But another thing is like this is controversial enough, but like I'm not a big proponent of like psychology in running. And why I say that was that that year like I was training. I wasn't injured or anything. Like I was just training all the time but if I look back like I wasn't doing enough like aerobic training the training I was doing was kind of incorrect I wasn't actually fit even though I was training a lot like in hindsight it's like I'm not that I wasn't 
that fit. But everyone then kept telling me, oh, it's in your head and this is why you're, you know, you're, you're, it's more in your head than anything and it's a psychological issue. And I wouldn't go, I would have gone to like sports psychologists and, you know, I'd be writing times I wanted to run on my runners and looking in the mirror and doing like positive affirmations and nothing worked. And then the next year I went to do my master's and I was only kind of running more like just for fun, just getting back into it, not really seriously, but I was I was training with new coach and in fairness, I was doing a lot more like aerobic training. And I remember the first race I went to, I again was like, I was like, if you're talking negative self-talk, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do well. I've not done well in ages, you know, like so, but I'm just kind of nearly resigned to it. But then because I was actually fitter, I just ended up, I won that race. And like, like Guy Learmonth, he's gone to multiple Olympics. I bet him, uh, I bet about three or four people who've gone to the Olympics there and after the race, I was like, there's no difference in my psychology here. The only difference is, is that I am the training I'm doing is suiting me way more. So I feel like sometimes it's like it's kind of an easy excuse for coaches just to say, oh, it's in his head, as opposed to look at ourselves to say why um, why we're not running as well. And it also should take pressure off people that people sometimes worry about how they sleep the night before or are they feeling well in the warm up or you know, is it going to be a good day? It doesn't matter. I've ran so many races. And if you're training in general, if you're generally just fit and in good, have had good block of training, you're going to run well right. in the majority of the cases. And there's nothing you can really do psychologically or digging in deep or any of that stuff is kind of nonsense. It's, it's just, it's just purely about physical training. Yeah. And especially from, from my perspective, at least and and you know, certainly not being at that type of level, but like, like it's almost like we get too, I don't know, um, laser focused sometimes on, on the day or two before. And like, well, sure you can do things, you know, in the day or two leading up to a race, whether it's on the track or, you know, on the hundred miles on the trail or, or anything in between, uh, that, that could negatively impact things. But if you're, yeah. you know, if you're, if you're, you know, even if you don't sleep great because you're tossing and turning and doing what I do every night before a big race where I'm like, Oh shit, did I oversleep? And then like, Oh no, it's only 1130 at night. Like I, I haven't even yeah, 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 yeah. like you wake up in a panic again and now it's, it's one in the morning and you're just like, Oh goodness gracious. Like just fall asleep. Um, but yeah. like if, if things have been going well for the last six months, having a, a questionable night of sleep is not the deal breaker that sometimes we think it is. It makes no difference. Mm -hmm. I've, I've slept great and ran great. I've slept great and ran terrible. I've slept terrible and ran great. Mm -hmm. I've slept terrible and ran terrible. It makes no difference. I felt fantastic in warm-ups. I felt terrible in warm-ups. There's no correlations. The only correlation I've ever found is that, like, if I look back over, as you said, the last six to eight weeks of training, has it gone well? Right. Like, that's the correlation. And I think people can kind of, yeah, let themselves off the hook a lot. And because I had it where it's like, oh, it's your mindset or it's this. And I 100% believe that was the case. It was only then when I started, you know, running well, like the next year, and I could really be analytical about it because I had a different coach. I was like, yeah, like I wasn't actually just fit. I just wasn't like aerobically fit enough. Right. That was just what the, the case was. So yeah, people always think the night before and they're worried, just go to bed at the same time. If you don't sleep well, it's like even... Like I'm big on sleep, like I am big on sleep, but sometimes the guys who, you know, you listen to a Joe Rogan podcast guy, like they're really trying to sell something mm -hmm. on, on, um, 
on sleep. So like, you know, I do, I think it's really important to get a lot of sleep, but with the, the, the studies they bring up about like, Oh, you know, this guy, if you have a poor sleep and it's like a reduction in VO2 max, like that never helped me. That always got me worried mm-hmm. to the point where, again, I was like not sleeping that great again. And I was like, I need to look this study up. That study was done on like people who were jet lagged after like traveling from <laughs> Australia, right. you know, like, so I was like, well, look, come on, if I'm sitting in my, I'm sleeping in my bed and it's just, I don't feel like I'm going into deep sleep. That's different than if I was on a freaking plane and then had to like, like a plane for 14 hours without any, literally kind of any sleep and then had to run. Of course I'd go worse. And then that again made me chill out a little bit more. So yeah, I wouldn't worry about any of that stuff. Yeah. Well, and sometimes I, I kind of find myself chuckling a little bit at, at some of the various, whether it's studies or just anecdotal, you know, approaches to, to certain things and as it relates to our sport and go, man, if, if, if you needed to have, you know, a solid 12 hours of sleep the night before a, a, a good performance of, of running, like, would we have made it, you know, like, like were the, were the people chasing the, the antelope across the Savannah always getting a solid 12 hours the night before they, they went yeah, out on exactly. the like, Yeah, exactly. I mean, maybe once in a while, but probably not every time. Like, did they always get the perfect recovery blend drink as soon as they, as soon as they took the animal down? Like, no, probably not. And so like, I'm like, yeah, you know, if you can, great, but our bodies have kind of figured these things out over the, the course of, you know, years of, of human evolution and, and development, like that, you know, do the best you can and like, it's going to be okay. Yeah, exactly. And like, look, like, as you said, I do Pilates. So if we're talking about injury risk, like our injury prevention, obviously I'm going to be talking about Pilates Mm -hmm. being something I think people need to do, but always take stuff like that with a grain of salt. It's like, you know, it's like I have Pilates courses. I'm going to be biased towards that way. You know, if you ask a, if you ask a butcher what you should have for a diet, he's not going to recommend being a vegetarian. (laughs) And you know, it's the same way. It's like, so if you have someone on a podcast now, I actually, there's so many hints and tips with sleep, for example, or as you said, with nutrition. But if you have someone on who's like, they're selling recovery drinks or that's their kind of MO, like that's what they get their money from. Of course, they're going to overemphasize the importance of that. And it's not to say that that stuff isn't important. It's just like, you have people don't hang your hat on it completely. Right. Right. If if you're not hungry, you don't have to force yourself to eat this perfect blend of things. Like, like, you know, at least that's my, my thought. And, and again, that's exactly, I would totally agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, like just, just a little, a little aside there of, of just, yeah, like, you know, do it, doing what you can. Um, and, and, and kind of trust in the process. And, and certainly, you know, you've mentioned a couple of times of not feeling like you were as fit in that, in that year. And I want to get back to that in a second. Um, but, but more of a general question, you know, it, on, on, at that level, a, a level that I've, I've never been. Um, and now that I'm, you know, on the other side of 40, I, I think it's probably safe to say that I'll never be at, you know, vying for a spot at the Olympics in, in some type of running, uh, event. Uh, you know, I guess never say never, but odds are probably <laughs> not against me or probably are against me at this point. Yeah. Um, but just kind of curious, you know, when you when you tow the line at a race like that, um, you know, with with some of the top runners in in Ireland, in Europe, in the world, you know, whatever the case might be, what what's for lack of a better way of asking a a, a question, like what what is the difference? What what separates the the guy who finishes the you know the man or woman that that finishes you know first in the fifteen hundred meters versus the one that finishes eighth? Because it's like it's like two seconds, three. It's not like it's a massive difference. No, um, no, yeah. But, but what is what is the 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 differentiator um, at that level? Oh God, it's so difficult to say. Like like some of it is the type of training to do. There is definitely a, a bit like I was the physio and I trained with the Australian team um and like it was 
one thing with those, it's never like one particular session. Like there's not one workout that you're like, every level I've seen, there's not been a workout where if I, I couldn't do most of it, you know, well, what it is, it's like there's a kind of consistency and an intensity that they're able to hit in their training. That's just very difficult to match. Um, so there is like, there is like to get to that level, uh, it's, there is a level they, they get to with their training that like the load, like say the Australian team on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, they do a workout in the morning. That'd be quite intense. They do a gym at like one or two and then they do another run at like four or five in the day, you know? So it's just, and then Wednesday is like a long, easier run. Thursday are back doing your tempo in your morning gym, another run. So it's just like, that level was it was kind of eye opening at the very top level. They do they do do a lot of training, um, more than it's not that for the lack of want. It's like nearly you're like God. I don't think I my body would. I'd feel like I'd overtrain doing that, you know. Um, and then talent is, you know, just and like most people are doing similar stuff, but just some people are at the very top level just have a certain amount of talent that they are then applying. Right. to the nth degree yeah right. yeah yeah that's i i feel again like i don't i don't know but i i do have a background as as an athletic trainer working at college and a little oh, bit of brilliant. A professional yeah. level of, of athletic training and yeah i mean you know it's it's it seems like in, in a lot of those instances when you get up to that that type of level like everybody's putting in the work everybody's doing yeah. everything they can do and, and yeah it's just you know some people have you know a little bit, a little bit more of whatever it is in, in their particular discipline, their particular sport. That's just like, they're starting, they're starting at the, you know, at the 20 yard line for the hundred yard dash. Like, and, and so they're just, everybody puts in the same amount of work, but they've got that little bit extra. And that's just what separates, you know, the wheat from the chaff, if you will. Yeah. Cause then if you, if you go into, I didn't want to go into super detail about this cause it's probably not that relevant, but just as an interesting, like I was, I was in South Africa at a training camp before and I was, in like chatting, I was living with this guy, Jean Verster. He's like Nigel Amos, who was like the world champion, uh, 400 meter or 800 meter world champion. And he like, I asked him that kind of question, like what's the difference between the world champions and the, the you know, your Olympians? Like, so, you know, what is the difference between, you know, your Jakob and your Britons? And his answer was like so true through me. It was like, that. so at the top level to get kind of there, you need to have like that level of training and intensity, but he's like the, the world champions are actually more able to like relax. Mm-hmm. He was like, their thing is like same with you saying bold and a lot of these guys, it's like, they'll just get the training done and they're not stressing about the training. And then they're able, you like say when there's a big training session, like say every once every three weeks or once every like, you know, max every two weeks or it could be every four weeks, you can kind of see a different shift. They know they have to hit this one well. Mm-hmm. So they're dialed in. They go really like, like hard or like focused on that. But then the rest is just like, just get it done. It, it, so it's, it was actually opposite of what I would have thought. I would have thought he would have said, oh my God, they're so more dedicated. They're this or that. But for him, a lot of it was like the world champions sometimes are, bit more relaxed about it they're getting all the training done but they can be you know because my sister went to the olympics and they can be a little bit it can help like you know it's like 
Look, like it's like anything. Your biggest strength is always your biggest weakness right. if it's not kept in check. So it's just it's just knowing what you need. Is it like more the dedication? Well, then brilliant. Listen to the studies on um, sleep or seeing the benefits. But I think for a lot of us, individual sport, we're putting in a lot of work anyway. A lot of it's more like just be a bit easier on yourself and you'll probably do better. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and, and again, you know, if, if you can have you know, the guys, the, the men and the women at the, at the top of the sport, you know, like you said, the world champions, the Usain Bolts, like just the, the, the people that, um, you know, Kipchoge, maybe, maybe they're almost unbeatable if they don't beat themselves, you know, at least that's the, maybe the aura that yeah. comes out of them. And they're just, they're able to not take themselves and their training too seriously. Like, yes, knowing I need to hit this, these couple of key workouts and get the work in, but like, not everything is do or die. Not everything is life or death. Kipchoge um, is ridiculously, both of those guys, they're, they're, um, their agent is Irish, so I'd have a little bit of a background with those. Like, you know, I know people who've gone on, overdone physio with them or like gone to Kenya and like uh, two guys were good friends with Kipchoge. Um, ridiculously relaxed. Mm-hmm. And you were just talking about nutrition. You, Usain Bolt was like, his, uh, he'd be like getting the physios to get him like, like, you know, white bread and all this stuff. He'd be like, oh, he, uh, you know, Ricky, Ricky Sims is his age. He's like, Ricky's making me eat this. I need you to get me crap. I need you to get me white bread. I need you to get me, you know, so it's just funny. Like, yeah, well, it just, you know, I mean, it, it matters, but like not everything and almost going back to our, our little previous conversation of, you know, that, that night before of, of sleep, like, I mean, it matters, but it's not, it doesn't, everything, it doesn't have to be perfect. Cause not everything is going to be perfect in life. That's just the, kind of the way, the way it is, whether we like it or not. Yeah, like like I would have started my career trying to go to bed early and now I'll actually either go to bed on the same time or I'm reading my book or if it's a bit later, it's no big deal. Do you know, like I'll try to go to bed at roughly the same time, but I think it's very counterproductive to try to go to bed too early. Right. Because sleep is just such a strange thing. It's like trying to lose your keys, isn't it? Like you can't <laughs> constantly try to sleep. So you're just like better off. Just keep it like any other night. And even if you're going to bed a bit late or you're reading your book a bit longer, um, it's all right. And again, as you said, don't, I've run really well off mm-hmm. terrible sleep. So um, just from like overly thinking and not being able to actually sleep at all. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. So shifting, shifting gears slightly, uh, yeah, Owen, um, getting into to some of the biomechanics stuff, or at least kind of the, the overview of, of where did, where did that, I mean, you know, the decision to, to really pursue um, the education and, and the PhD level of, of knowledge in how the body works. Uh, I did a um, semester in Montreal in like 2008 and they were talking about this thing called like the functional movement screen. So I would have been doing like, you know, we would have been learning about like physio rehabs and, you know, you're doing your heel drops and your heel raises for Achilles and, you know, strengthening the knee if there's knee pain and like it was all, making sense but when these per these this girl and a guy kind of came in they were talking about this like whole body assessment and the idea about like the kinetic chain that everything is linked and like how one area uh can influence another and like it just you know when something just hits you on like a kind of profound level you're like oh my god this is the this makes so much sense to me um, so I tracked them down. I was meant to head home to Ireland and I, I stayed for an extra month just like learning practically what they were doing and then just really just got into it from there. Um, had a lot like I've 
I've, I've kind of done movement assessments for about two and a half thousand people, I would say at this stage and um, just really got into it and then continued with my PhD because things like Achilles pain, it's like, or even a knee pain, a lot of these things are like overload issues, you know, so like the tendon is overloaded. It can't, so essentially it can't handle the stress that's been placed on the tendon or the knee joint or the knee tendon, whichever one is, it can't handle the amount of stress that's been placed on it. And our traditional rehab is like with that, say heel drops, heel raises is okay. Well, it can't handle the load. So we'll just get it stronger. So it can handle, uh, handle the load where, while that's part of the strategy, I feel like the big thing that people were missing was, well, why don't you get the rest of the leg strong? Mm. You know, this is already working too hard. So if we get like, say, the foot muscles burning, if we get the hamstring and the glute working more, so I have much more success like doing like a single leg deadlift, bringing the leg back, holding that for like, say, five to 10 seconds, getting, so the person feels like the muscles on the foot, in the hamstring and leg are on fire. And that then, wakes those up so then when we are running and this is much more important for ultra running or trail running um because it's longer there's there's less like kind of knee lift so there's less general activation but if you get those other other areas working more the calf will just naturally have to do less because the load is being kind of shared more evenly between like they say the foot is absorbing some of the force the hips and the knees are taking the force, say, with the hamstring and glutes, as opposed to just thinking, well, well, that's overloaded. I'll just make that one area stronger. So it's like, what well, we got these ridiculously strong calves, but then the rest of the chain is completely weak. Mm-hmm. So that's that would have been the genesis of why I would have thought about that. And then I would have really just continued to go pretty deep into that topic. Yeah. And that's and that's I mean like I said earlier, with my athletic training background, kind of running injuries has always been a, a I mean, just sports injuries in general. Yes. It's always, always interesting to me. Um, and it sounds like, like if I'm hearing you correctly, you know, and something I feel like I've experienced both myself and, and as an athletic trainer, as a running coach, et cetera, is that sometimes where, where we're feeling the pain and in your example with the, the Achilles tendonitis or the Achilles tendon pain or whatever the case might be, like sometimes that's the weak, I mean, it may be the weak link, but sometimes that's where the problem is. But yeah. sometimes the actual cause of the pain may have nothing to do with the Achilles. It may have nothing to do with the calf. Like you said, it may be farther up the chain, farther down the chain, other side could be an imbalance. Like, like I, I feel like we just get, we as humans, but also we as runners can get so overly laser focused on here is 100%. where the pain is. This must be where the problem is that sometimes we can bang, like, you know, metaphorically be banging our head against the wall trying to fix the problem, but the problem is not where we're trying to fix if that question statement makes any sense at all. It makes perfect sense. You're spot on there, Denny. Like, you know, it's like if you have a hole in your roof, the complaint will be water on the ground. Mm -hmm. But it's like, so if you just keep mopping or just concentrating that, you need to take a step back and see like, all right, if I fix this hole in the roof, then, then when I target the water, it's not going to keep coming back. And that's exactly it. Like there's a thing called like the joint by joint approach where predominantly you should have good mo- movement in your ankles. You should then be quite stable in your knee. So it's a hinge joint. It should only like flex and extend. It shouldn't like buckle in or out. And then your hip should be a, is a ball and socket joint. So you should have good movement in your hip. Your lower back should be quite stable. So, you know, there's only like four degrees of rotation. So we don't want too much movement there. Your upper back will get, should have good 
mobility, your shoulder blade stable. And what happens with modern life is, um, or injury that like say our ankles can get like stiff, our hips can get stiff, and then we can move excessively. We'll always be able to get movement because as you were mentioning, like as cavemen or cave women, like we had no choice but to move to get food. So ingrained in you is the ability to always move. Like that's why you can compensate. So rather than rather than just not being able to move if you can't move to your ankle, you know, running, you'll see people, their knees will buckle in together. Um, you're going to see it, you know, if, if you're on a trail and the inside of your shin is like, like getting dirty, that's like, cause you're kind of probably valgus and you're buckling in at your knee and your heel is clipping, clipping off the inside of your shin. So the first, the first thing there again is like when people have knee pain, say the first thing I want to clear is like, well, a lot of times the knee pain is because you're moving too much at the knee. Same with the back. It's like the back is being flexed too much because we, we've lost that mobility in the hips. So what you need to be doing is like just in general, if you're doing some like ankle mobility drills, hip, hip work, like so like glute work or improving the mobility around those two joints, naturally then the knee would have to move less and the ankle, the, the back would have to move less. And there's no... There's no coincidence that you see a lot more knee pain and say lower back pain because um, of the joints, because they're the ones that are moving too much that shouldn't be moving. The other ones are stiff, so they're actually not getting moved the way they should. So you have less, say, ankle pain or hip pain in general. Gotcha. Um, oh, goodness. As, 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 as always with these types of discussions, so many places I want to go and, and trying to be cognizant of like not everybody speaks some of the technical language of valgus and varus and all, all these things which is, yeah. which is fine uh, valgus but, is your knees buckling in right right thank you for clearing that well, up you know it, Danny, i know obviously. that but yes yes yeah, yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. not everybody that's listening speaks that speaks quite that language which which is which is all well and good um but to try to make this as as practical or easily understandable or for for folks to kind of maybe put themselves in a position as possible. I'm going to, I'm going to throw myself under the bus, which sometimes I do. Sometimes I'll throw other people under the bus, but I'll throw myself <laughs> under the bus today. Um, so thankfully, you know, touch, touch wood. I've, I've been pretty healthy over the last yeah. handful of years of, of running. Um, and I think a big part of that is really embracing some of the more kind of mafetone zone two type of type of training, which, which we're, we're going to get to here in, a, in another couple of minutes, hopefully, but um, you know, slowing down, not trying to hammer every run. And I think that's, that's yeah, a big 100%. difference. But, if if I look at you know what we were just talking about you know you want good mo good mobility at the at the ankles knees relatively you know flexing and extending but that's about it yeah um, no and, and good no movement from in. the hips um, yeah I, I I think and and this is without like you know using film and things like that to diagnose myself I think my knees are pretty good you know of of the three you're yeah. talking about I think my knees are good I know my ankle mobility slash flexibility is terrible like it is not okay. good and it's something I'm, I'm working on hips maybe somewhere in the middle um yeah. so so and i i think from you know, anecdotally from from folks i've worked with you know in person over the years that that's probably not uncommon for a lot of road runners to be somewhere in that similar type of scenario so you know how this is going to be a, a process it's going to take a while but how do we go about increasing some of those motion in the, the ankles and or hips. If we want to focus on one or the other joints, that's fine. Um, yeah. But to try to start bringing some of that around to hopefully, you know, take some of the, the, the in, almost inevitable need to compensate and potentially cause some knee injuries down the road. How do we try to, to, to increase the movement where we want it um, to try to stay healthy going forward? 
So like there's three reasons why someone won't be able to move correctly. Generally, there is like the muscle itself is short. So that's where you're just going to do your classic um, static stretching. Mm-hmm. You know, just don't overly stretch it. You can do one. It's called like active isolated stretching, which essentially is you'd have a rope. You would consciously bring your own toes towards your shins and then just give hold it for two seconds give a little bit of an overstretch with the rope and then back down mm-hmm. okay so the second area though it mightn't be that the muscle is short it might be that it has like knots or trigger points in the muscle so that's where you're going to use your foam roller on your calf um you know you just want to hold that for like 30 to 90 seconds if you have a sore spot you can just rotate around your ankle don't, don't um, avoid the sore spot lean into it <laughs> lean the into the source yep. lean, lean into the sore spot so i've had patients who realize that might send, send shooting down pain down your calf that's fine as long as you're not over bone right um that's you just want to be on the muscle and if that's sore or shooting pain that is perfectly natural that's what we're looking for and that can release off those now you you need and then the last thing is it could be the joint so the muscle might be fine but it could be the especially people who've gone over on their ankles and if you're in trail running you've probably done that um here now what you want to do is maybe like keeping the knee solid just drawing the numbers one to ten with your big toe uh all the way up to ten back down to zero back up to ten heel drops heel raises are good here going down coming back up moving through and doing like say three by ten of those um then if you sometimes then if you have gone over your ankle you will have to do some more like single leg balance stuff Mm -hmm. bend the knee slightly because that's the way it's going to be when you're um when you're running try close your eyes it's going to really just replicate the because because your eyes give you like help with your balance so if you have them closed the the foot is just going to work way more like it's going to work on a trail because you won't have time to look always look down exactly where you're going but that's the same then for the hip you you might want to do like myofascial release or the cross ball or foam roll around the the glutes um the piriformis the muscle underneath and the hip flexors uh you might need to do some like joint mobility if you looked up like the world's greatest stretch that would be it's a similar one to that or it might be just like static stretching of the hip flexors and and the and the glutes so what you need to do is though you need to it's very hard to know which one's going to work for you because it could be any of those that are an issue. So what you need to do is just do one of those, like say maybe try active isolated stretching. If people look that up, like, you know, Google, it's so brilliant uh, or static stretching. And then to see, maybe you do a squat and it feels stiff beforehand. Then you do that for like 30 seconds. You do it again. If it doesn't feel any much different, leave that off. You might try your the foam rolling and then try your squat afterwards and see does that feel any better or you might do like heel drops heel raises um ankle mobility drills there's one with like a a broom handle where you're just bringing your knee forward keeping your heel on the ground and you're doing that say um you need if it's joint you need to move 30 times in total so you might do 2 by 15 3 by 10 but you need to move the joint through range full range 30 times right. or it could be just drawing the numbers so you're doing those and then just doing a quick check to see how you feel if you if it feels easier well then you probably have a strategy that's going to work and just repeat that then like maybe as your your pre-running routine or maybe you do it afterwards or when you can and and the big the big key there 
when you find what seems like it's it's helping, and this is as much for my benefit as those who might be in a similar situation as as I am, um, is that it's, it's there's not going to be an overnight fix. Like you might you might notice that things are feeling a little bit better, um, but to make the the changes that you're trying to see in the long term, like you got to you got to be consistent, just like anything with with, with training and, and physical health and, and running and whatnot. Um, you know, one one good workout, one good stretch session, one good mobility session is great, but it doesn't have that lasting impact if you're not continuing to show up on a consistent basis, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Like if you're talking, you're you're going to be looking at like twelve weeks to see differences here between eight and twelve weeks, definitely. Like if you think about um, any strength training to like increase muscle size, like the first eight weeks are just neurological. They're just like because you know, neurons are firing more in sync. It can take 12 weeks to like build muscle and then it's going to be the same. So physiological changes uh, are going to take like eight weeks, like 12 weeks right. to see real like objective changes. Just do it subjectively. And what I mean by that is just do it by feel. You'll know afterwards pretty, re- pretty soon if you're working on joint mobility, if it's helping, you'll know pretty soon if it's, if it's the, if you do foam rolling, it just, your ankle feels, the calf feels way looser. Just do that. And then, you know, you'd be surprised over how, you know, after like say the two month or three month mark, it's like, oh yeah, that I don't really get that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. That's, that's, that's helpful. If there, you know, in, in kind of disconnecting from what we just mentioned, but although maybe it will be the, the same type of thing, um, and this is a general general question, so we're speaking in generalities. So you know, I understand the. I guess the disclaimer is that this doesn't necessarily apply to anyone specifically. Um, but but is there an area you know that that you would kind of say that in general runners, whether it's it's posterior chain, whether it's a specific stretch movement, like range of motion, whatever, that is maybe like the biggest. I don't want to say the biggest cause of problems, but like a, a common trouble spot that that runners have that that would be you know, in a perfect world, more proactively addressed? Oh yeah. Like if I could only pick one exercise to do, I would 100% pick the, um, single leg deadlift. So like standing on one leg, slightly bending your knee and then bringing your other leg back as far as it goes and your torso forward. And as soon as your back leg stops lifting, you stop lowering. Mm -hmm. And then I would hold that between five to 10 seconds and do that six times because generally all, all, um, all running injuries are essentially like passive injuries. Now trail running is better because you have to be more connected, you know, because the ground is uneven. So you have more chance of say an ankle injury, but in general you're using the muscles way more than just pure, like say ultra running, marathon running, longer running, like 5k, 10k, um, half marathons. If it's on the road, it's, like running is great. Those type of running is great for burning calories. It's great for cardiovascular fitness, but you don't, you don't use the muscles that much. That's why all the injuries are like plantar fasciitis, Achilles tendonitis, knee pain, Mm -hmm. uh, plantar, you know, patellar tendonitis, hip bursitis or SI joint or back issues. It's very rare. You get someone who gets like a quad tear or a hamstring tear. They might get like a hamstring tendinopathy or a hamstring strain, but like the actual, like just tearing acute tears of a muscle are very um don't really happen that often because the muscles aren't taking the load it's not like you know your nfl or field sports where because they're sprinting the muscles are being used way more so what you want to be doing then is you need 
some exercises in the week that a strengthen like especially the posterior chain you know so doing your bridging or doing your core work that essentially activate and wake up these muscles and then when the muscles are wake woken up they'll naturally take some of the load when they're running but if they don't have something to like formally wake them up they don't take the load if that makes sense no, it totally does. And, and one one question that I've gotten a few times, and I, I think it, it sounds like we're we're kind of giving the same answer, but just to, just to kind of clarify it, maybe mention it again. Um, you know, I've, I've had people ask, well, I've I've had you know a, a physio or a PT or a coach or whoever tell me I need to activate my glutes more when I'm running. Um, and and if if what I'm hearing you say is is along the same lines of what I'm saying, it's not that you need to be actively engaging your glutes when you're running, but if you're working your glutes with some of the bridges with some of the different exercises. And they're they're firing regularly when you run, they'll kind of engage on their own. Yeah, yeah, that's like spot on, Denny. Like yeah. that's the stupidest advice I've ever heard in my life. What that <laughs> PT would say. Yeah. Um, absolutely idiotic. Like, don't consciously do anything when you're running. Like, it's just run. You just run. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's like you're. You know, we were talking about on the savannah. Like, your body. We weren't waiting for some PT to tell me, "Here, guy, you're doing this wrong." Mm-hmm. Um, you need you need the building blocks. So you need to be doing something outside of that that essentially innervates or wakes up those muscles. Like as you said, your glute bridging or um, your balance work to like innervate those muscles. Yeah, all those things, right? And once they're innervated, then it's so much easier for them to like they'll naturally do it. Then mm-hmm. this thing of like yeah, consciously like contracting my glutes or trying to run on my toes or anything that you're like consciously doing is like it's such a slap in the face of like like evolution and the power of the subconscious mind to like process things so much higher than you so yeah you should never ever 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 i said i don't know how many times i said ever there but i'll say it again never um consciously try contract your glutes when you run like the most i would do is like an external cue if i was doing something like pick a point down the like in the in the distance and maybe like fix on that but or or try feel like relaxed when i'm running but yeah you're totally right it's like need us to like do some exercises pre pre the run or as a kind of like specific rehabilitation pro like session Mm -hmm. and that will do then to get the benefits you don't ever never like try constantly change something when you're running you're going to get into way more trouble then right. i don't even know how you do that like try squeeze your glutes when you're running is this person yeah. like and you get that advice a lot but it's like i don't think they've ever ran then <laughs> yes i i agree and it's 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 um yeah it we'll just leave it there it's 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 maybe not the best advice and I, i've gotten that question in a few different forms one was like engage your core more and it's just like like you're not trying to run with a with a tight core just you know you gotta, stupid you got that, that, that cause is actually shearing on the back you should never again you need to innervate the core like you need to do core exercises practice even like standing if you were going to try the only thing you could do to activate your core is if you're doing drills if you have your two arms overhead or if you were doing a stride, bring your two arms overhead and try not to let your arms move. Mm. That will like, that's the closest thing you can do like to subconsciously getting like the co-coordination. But if you start contracting your core consciously, uh, generally you can put like a kind of shearing, like a kind of compression force on the back and you're going to cause way more problems. Right, right. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, back to your previous point, it's all connected. So just because you think like, oh, I need to engage my core more, get more core strength. Like there's also downstream effects of that. So yeah, doing, doing the whole body work, engaging, you know, activating and, and getting just some of the other strength. And it's a whole area that we could have gone down. And I know at some point we got to wrap this thing up. So I don't want to get too deep into that weed. Uh, maybe we'll save that one for another time, but just, yeah, doing the, the overall strengthening, strengthening good things. But yeah, when you're running, just worry about running. And, and if the other, if you're doing the other things, it'll kind of help take care of some of those, those loose ends. Yeah. And strides are always good, especially if you're doing ultra running, it's just important to practice changing and again you kind of mentioned it just go 90 percent mm-hmm. never never force anything yeah. it's all about consistency of training but adding in a few little strides maybe like a hill run of like mm. 10 seconds four hill runs of 10 seconds near towards the end of the training not not in any way trying to make them hard but just like consciously picking it up a little bit that will innervate more of your core right. and the muscles in a much more natural way than constantly like jogging and squeezing your core or squeezing your glutes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, one, one last pivot here, Owen, before we wrap things up today and, and uh, maybe we're not going to have as much time to get as deep into this as I would have liked, but again, you know, maybe we'll do this again at some point and we can, we can pick up where we leave off wherever it is that we leave off here. Um, but talking about aerobic training and, and building the, the aerobic base and, and um, something that, that again, I, I feel like we're pretty well aligned on. That's, that's a big thing that I, I harp on. I'm, I'm pretty, not that I try to force anybody else to do it, but just the benefits of running easy most of the time. I, I, I don't think they can be over overstated, but it, it sounded like if we go back to your, you know, competing on the, on the world stage days, um, you know, it'd be, it'd be easy to look at somebody running the mile and think that what, what do they need a lot of, of aerobic base for? I mean, yes, the mile is going to be an aerobic event, but you're, it's also a lot of anaerobic. You're, you're hammering pretty hard from start to finish of 1500 meters. Um, but, but it, you know, it sounded like you, that was when the light bulb really clicked for you of like, there's, there's something to this aerobic training, even for the, the shorter distance events. Um, and I don't know, I have a better question for that right now, but, but like, like how yeah, important but that, just that's in totally general true, is, Danny. Like is we'd be running, training? even to do one mile, we'd be, I'd be running like 70 miles in a week, mm. you know? Um, so, and that's, that's, that's commonplace. Like Jakob Imker Britson is doing nearly a hundred miles a week. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he's he's the 1500 meter Olympic champion, but he's also then the 10 K champion. So like the aerobic is being, um, understood a lot more. And like, as you said, I think sometimes it's just getting a balance. So, you know, we talk, we could talk about just the five zones that you want, like you, for the longer events, like the marathon, you don't need to really go past kind of zone three, uh, which would be kind of like marathon pace a little bit. If it was a marathon, you want to do a little bit of like lactic threshold pace, but like, a lot of times to improve aerobically, you've got to run aerobically. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas sometimes we can be training. You always want to like a goal of a run and you never want to have like two hard, se- two hard runs in a row. So there's no such thing as a hard recovery session, <laughs> you know, or hard recovery, excuse me, run. Mm-hmm. But like that's, when I be doing, if I was doing like a lactic threshold test on people and we're like assessing them, that's the zone I find people are best at. They're, they run very hard, but not hard enough to get a, a massive, to get a massive aerobic benefit, but not easy enough to be recovered. Right. So you're hitting this gray zone the whole time. And what is the, I mean, I feel like I know, but, but what is, what is the negative of being in that gray zone more often than not, if not all the time? Because, Say, 
say you're meant to do like I would especially as you're getting older I'd recommend maybe like just two workouts like a Wednesday Saturday and then a long run Sunday or you might go you know Wednesday Friday long run Sunday would be ideal with a rest day in between um but if you've gone if you've gone hard say you've done a zone one would be recovery zone two is what we call extensive aerobic so it's like you'd still be able to like run it's usually about like between 145 beats to 155 i'd recommend people get a lactic threshold test if they can if you did if you got one in your in your life you'd have the results forever um using your heart rate monitor you could still chat to your friends on the run you just have to concentrate slightly zone three is about 2.2 millimoles of lactic which is essentially marathon pace Mm -hmm. and then zone four is lactic threshold pace so say you have a a workout on a Wednesday and you're going to hit like marathon pace or you're going to practice like say ultra marathon like a zone two uh which so you want to practice like kind of ultra marathon running pace but you do it on heart rate because um that's better like if you think you're going to be tapered for your race you don't want to be just arbitrarily trying to hit paces right. in training that you want to hit in a race because in a race you're going to be tapered you're going to be the adrenaline's going to be going so you have to give yourself a little bit of a leeway but say on the monday you have a recovery run but you kind of run that quite hard but not hard enough to get into zone two then on tuesday you do the same thing you're like you're in zone one but you're in the very top end of it so you're not really recovering but you feel like oh, i've kind of run hard ish you know it's like like it wasn't too hard but it was um like I kind of feel a bit recovered. You come into Wednesday, you're a little bit tired. Now you have to hit zone two for a longer time and or zone three, say, or even threshold. And because you still have kind of fatigue from the other days, it ends up that that session, the quality of that, when we actually need to hit the other zones is either a lot harder than it should or you actually just don't get into those zones or the appropriate paces of what those zones should be. So now rather than having like a hard day on Wednesday, two recovery days, we've had three kind of like two kind of hard recovery days where we didn't run hard enough to get the aerobic stimulus. And then uh, a Wednesday session, because we were tired and a bit, uh, a little bit overtrained, we probably didn't get the same level of quality that we should have, if that makes sense. I've kind of done that really long winded. So no, it, it, it does, and it's it's just, like, I I used to, in the, in the before times, when I, when I was kind of just getting into running a little bit more, I was like, you know, if you're not, I, I mean, it was, it was kind of maybe the, the standard athlete mentality, at least here in the States, of, like, no pain, no gain, and, like, everything needs to be pushing, and you need to be working hard, and uh, the more I've, I've learned, and, you know, learned some of these lessons the hard way, the more it's like, you don't forget how to run hard, but if you can build that base a bit more, um, boy, does it, does it still pay off on the heart? Like, you know, like I, I run faster in races than I ever have yet. I hardly ever, if ever touch race pace in, in, on a non-race day, uh, you know, maybe a, a workout here and there, of course, but like, like for just everyday runs, like I used to like everyday run was, was race pace. And now it's like, man, two minutes per mile slower, three minutes per mile slower. Um, and, and yet I'm still racing faster. And it's just like, like once you kind of, I feel like once you experience it, like the light bulb goes on, but it just is so counterintuitive if you haven't ever really focused on slowing down and running easy on your easy days. Yeah. And you see that a lot, especially like kind of novices, they're going way harder than elites, like mm-hmm. way harder because 
Um, well, Ray Howard, you're, relative, because I get the I get the pushback of like, well, you know, Kipchoge does his easy days at eight minute pace, so I can do my easy days at eight minute pace, and it's like, well, you don't do your hard days, you don't do your your marathon pace at four minute pace, so let's let's back it down a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and it, well, that's exactly it though. But like you can see there, even at the eight minute pace, like, um, because the opposite is a lot true, where people I think sometimes look at it and think, oh, well, he's running so fast, and it's like, yeah, but relative to him, he's still aerobic. Mm-hmm. So it's like making sure. Now the only thing is, is, you can have like an easier run where you. What I would do is then go easy for say, say if you're doing a sixty minute run, you could do forty minutes at like zone one, which would be very easy. And then zone two, just be like slightly steady, but at least it's intentional then. So that every day you should be writing down like, what's the goal of this? So if you've done a long run, say on a a Sunday, uh, okay, the next day, if the goal is recovery, well, let's run easy. If the, on the Tuesday, then it might be like, I want to just have an easier run, but still get a little bit of the aerobic benefit. Well, then you might hit zone two, which wouldn't be hard. It'd be usually, as I said, between like 145 beats, you know, 130, depending on how low your heart rate gets to like 155 max, I would have seen. Um, as I said, I just tell people to get a heart rate so- test. Mm-hmm. And then on the Wednesday, you might do your zone three and zone four. But a lot of people go out hard and they're doing a 10K, say, and nearly as hard as they can. It's the probably biggest mistake I see. But you're going to go into the anaerobic zone there. Um, but that that event is a like, 95% aerobic and to be aerobic it's like less than say 85% effort you know if you if you think the highest you can go for aerobic would be a lactic threshold and if you didn't get that test which I would recommend people to get it's only about $200 it's about 100 euros here but you know America it's like way more expensive <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're getting done on everything um like but you have the results forever if you just have a heart rate monitor then you know, I did my first test when I was like 18. The results are basically, I get, I do regular tests, but they're always roughly the same. Mm-hmm. Like the heart rates never change. The the paces will change. Right. But if you had the heart rates, what you'll find is that um, to improve aerobically, you have to run aerobically. Mm-hmm. But too many people, they have it in their head that like, well, if I train, if I'm working hard, but the problem is it's like that work is like, way harder on your body and secondly it's like you've trained now anaerobically it's like if you had a formula one car like and you're like putting all that effort in and then you're going to try enter it into the the le mans 24 hour race it's like yeah like it's not you've you have a fantastic car you've trained hard but it's like you've done the wrong type of training and it's the same it's like once you go above 85 percent effort or if you were singing a song and if you're if you're like singing happy birthday, it's like happy birthday to you, then take a breath. If you're like happy, if you're breathing heavy and you can't sing one line of a song, you are now training the wrong system. And hopefully if you can think of that analogy, it's like, okay, yeah, you're, you're, you know, like they spend a lot of money on your Formula One car or you're training hard. It's actually harder training, but it's not training the type of system you'll need for your races. Mm-hmm. So as you said, going easier on the, especially on your on your training days or people going out and doing a 10k anyway is just bananas like no runner ever runs the distance at the pace until it's actually race day right right and i guess one one last question i know we're getting a little bit long on on time owen i apologize for that but no 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 you take your time i'm i have loads of time all right um 
just just along along that that similar similar vein of of you know training aerobically and and, and trying to hammer versus training anaerobically, I, I feel like the 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 room for growth like anaerobic training doing some hard runs here and there it's important it's value like there is there is room for growth there um but i feel like the the potential for really making a difference on on race day and especially for those of us that are you know racing the longer distance and again longer distance is all relative but i mean 5k is an aerobic race 10k an aerobic race you know certainly get yeah. the halves and fulls and ultras like like those are those are predominantly 90 90 plus like you said 95 percent maybe for the the 10k but you start getting to ultras and and you know it's 99.999% aerobic in those, in those instances. Um, all that to say the room for growth, if you're trying to run, you know, a Boston qualifier or break, you know, whatever time goals that you might have, like if you can improve your aerobic fitness, that's going to take you so much farther towards that goal than hammering your quarter mile repeats and, and working anaerobically. Correct. Oh, 100%. Like I wouldn't have anyone, you, you might do, you could just get away with doing strides. Like, mm for that if your goal is the marathon you could just get away with like running a few you know four by 20 second strides nice and easy afterwards for a little bit of a running economy mm-hmm. but if you think about it your speed work there is going to be like your lactic threshold is essentially like your 10 mile half marathon pace mm-hmm. if you're getting ready for a marathon that's half the distance that is your speed work right so like you're, you're trying to drop down into hard 400s or even like in in race in in sessions or in workouts going going like oh, i was really digging in you know even if it's a, if they're mile repeats you can go into the anaerobic or anaerobic zone very easily unless you're like being controlled and it's i've had the same experience as you had denny where when i started training more aerobically the first race i went up to i was like i am going to run terribly I just haven't had, I haven't been training hard. I've got all the training done and I was just baffled by myself that I, I qualified for Ireland in a 10K cross country. I was like, but because all the training had been aerobic. Right. So my aerobic zones were really good. And that's like, we've even said it there. If you're 90, if you're 98% of say, or 99% of the race, or even for a 5K, if it's 90% right. of the race or, is aerobic it's like well then 90 percent of your training should be aerobic mm-hmm. and if you're 99.9 it's like well then that'll give you an indication of how much of the training should be aerobic yeah yeah good stuff i i, I could keep going in all this and and uh i'm sure maybe there might be a couple of people whose eyes are starting to glaze over as, as we're getting into into some of these weeds but it's it's an important important message and i'm, I'm i appreciate you um you know hopefully saying some things that, that are similar to what I've been saying, but maybe in a different way. And, and hopefully that, that connects with some folks, Owen, and, and maybe getting them to, you know, if they're not slowing down a little bit with their, with their easier runs, their recovery days, maybe taking that, uh, taking that first step. But one last question for you before we, we get you out of here. Um, and it's, I call it the philosophical question. It's kind of how I wrap things up uh, for, for every episode, something similar to the introductory question, very open-ended, not necessarily specific to anything that we've, we've talked to or, or talked about at this point. Um, but uh, just kind of curious for for you, Owen. Like, why why is running still an important part of your life? Obviously, um, you know, still still scratching the competitive itch and running running at the high level in in Europe at the Masters level. Um, but you know, from from the days of your brother wearing wearing the kit and you being like, gosh, I wouldn't mind having the, the Ireland kit and and, uh, and and earning that as well um, to compete in you know, knocking on the door of, of maybe trying to get to the Olympics to to where you are today. Um, why is running still such an important part of your life? 
God, that's such a good question. Um, well, one, I have a lot of friends who, like, you know, it's such a good thing for your head as well, you know. Um, two, I just love feeling like, you look at runners, like, Danny, I'm looking at a picture of you, man. I can't believe you're over 40. <laughs> that only happens to runners. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I feel like it keeps you fit and healthy. I So I love, I do love the feeling of being fit and healthy. I love being able to run and um, still be in shape and things like that. So secondly, like if I have an issue and I go for a run, it's like meditative, you know, in terms of like the amount of times I solve a problem or just get a different perspective because I've been out on a run is great. So I always just want that kind of feeling of fitness and that kind of headspace that you get. And then I have a lot of friends that still run and, um, yeah, it's brilliant that way. So I think they're the three main reasons. It's just one, it's still great to be able to train at a good level to the friends and three, the headspace. Yeah, totally agree. And as, as per usual, I'm nodding along. I'm sure other folks are as well. And I'm going to try not to, to muddy that, that closing thought, uh, any more than I, than I already have. And, uh, y'all, if you enjoyed today's episode, we didn't even get into some of the plotty stuff, like so many things that we wanted to get into. I wanted to get into, uh, like I said at the beginning, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to, to line up a time to do this again, Owen, in the not too distant future. But y'all, if you want to dig into some of Owen's work and, and, uh, certainly get the, the free book, uh, get to the line in the best shape possible. EverardPilates.com is the main website, EverardPilates.com slash book to get the book. Uh, at Everard Physio Pilates on Instagram. Uh, and as per usual, Dizruns.com slash 1140 will get you back to the show notes today. And of course, we'll have everything linked up there. Make it as easy for you to connect with, with Owen, get some of his resources, um, and, and put, most importantly, the information he's sharing into practice so that it benefits you and your running going forward. But check out all that, that he has available. Um, Can I just say something there just to, yes, go before ahead, we go. Um, yeah. If people have quite, Denny, I actually love your perspective on, on things like, so um, I've got a lot out of this as well. So if people, I, if we do want to do a follow up, if people have any questions, so a lot of it is like, um, in theory, if people have any like questions about like, I'm an ultra runner, I'm doing this, or how do you think this would apply to me? I have this like Achilles issue. I would love to do a, a Q&A with you that we could both kind of answer it because I really feel like we're on the same line. So yeah, I'd totally be up for that. Fantastic. Well, y'all again, if you, he's putting it out there and I'll, I'll take that, I'll take that, that bait. So uh, if you have specific questions, you'd like us to, to weigh in on things, please let me know. And, and we'll, uh, you know, pull those together and, and circle back up and, and do this again. Um, and, and maybe get into some of your specific questions as well. Um, and again, you know, I don't know, I don't know what the time frame is, but I'm, I'm already looking forward to it and, and we'll talk Pilates then, and we'll talk probably some more heart rate and more biomechanics and all those things. Um, but Owen, oh, I, I just, I, I appreciate your time. It's, it's been, uh, it's definitely been a pleasure. Uh, I, 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 I've learned things. Uh, I'm glad that you've taken a, a few things from this episode as well. Hopefully the folks listening have as well. Um, but I appreciate the time and uh, looking forward to doing it again, hopefully soon. But until then, uh, please take care of yourself and, and thanks for giving us some of, some of your time today. Denny, thanks so much. I really enjoy that. Thank you. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. Hope you enjoyed the conversation between Owen and myself. And as per usual, be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode. What was your takeaway from our little chit chat today? Um, I mean, obviously for me, lots of, lots of fun, you know, kind of form and biomechanics and how the body works talk. But the, the big takeaway for me um, came a little bit earlier when, when Owen was talking about uh, not taking everything too seriously, especially when it comes to training and trying to, to be perfect all the time. 
And, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe this is another one of those type B minus versus some of you type A, A people. Um, but it's just, it's, it's, it was just a good reminder for me, maybe for myself, although I don't know that I necessarily needed the reminder. Um, so maybe I'm, I'm doing a little preaching with the takeaway today or a little reiterating with the takeaway today, but just, you know, if, if it works so often, not so often, but occasionally I hear from, from people, maybe it's people I'm working with or, or just people on social media, they're like, Oh, I, I, you know, I saw so-and-so elite do X, Y, Z workout. Like I want to try it. And, and like on the one hand, okay, like that's fine. Uh, let's not, let's not try to follow their exact training schedule. Cause probably it's not going to work for you in terms of just, you know, you probably don't have the lifestyle that allows you to do training like an elite athlete does, but one workout here and there. Okay. Whatever. Um, but the idea of maybe, I guess where I'm going with this, what my takeaway was, was, was just relaxing and, 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 you know, being a little bit more laid back and having fun with training and, and not taking everything so serious. Like maybe that's something that might be worth trying to take away from the elites, you know, identify one or two key workouts every, every week or two, every, every month, maybe, you know, maybe you've got, you know, a, a big long run, your, your one big long run per month or, or whatever it is, one, one big workout, you know, you, you do you, you know what your training looks like, but make that the priority, you know, make that the, the one workout that you're real serious about. And then, you know, if the rest of your runs are whatever, 5.97 miles, like it's okay. It just call it six, right? Like, like why take that too seriously? You know, if, if your if your easy run was a little bit slower than normal, so what? No worries. You know, like, like just, just the thought of not worrying about making sure every, you know, T is dotted and I is crossed. And yes, I know what I just said. I did that on purpose, but you know, just, just that little bit of extra relaxation, that little bit more say la vie type of attitude. Um, I don't know. I mean, it works for me, I think. And, and that said, maybe it's something I could adopt even more, you know, maybe I miss a day here or there. No big deal. No big deal. So anyway, that was my takeaway. Just, just a reminder to, 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 it's not life or death. Right? As much as, as serious as we are about our sport and, it, and our goals, and I, I mean, I take them seriously, and, and, and I certainly am not trying to tell you to not take your goals seriously, but like the workouts, the training, the, the, the day-to-day mileage, it's okay to color outside the lines. It's okay to have a little bit of fun. It's okay to maybe not take random Thursday, four miles easy, quite so seriously. Maybe. I don't know. You do you, but that's my takeaway. Just, just, just relax. Just, just chill. Just chill, Diz. Maybe just chill for you as well. But uh, maybe you had a different takeaway. Maybe something that, that Owen talked about. Maybe some of the biomechanics stood out to you. Something, something else. I don't know. Uh, would, would be curious to know what your takeaway was, though. If you're willing to share it, I would love to hear it. At Diz Runs on Twitter. At Diz Runs on Instagram. Of course, you can send an email as well. DizRuns at gmail.com. And if you're so inclined as to head over to the show notes for today, photos, links, the whole nine as per usual. Uh, there's also that comment section, and all that is available at disruns.com slash 1140, disruns.com slash 1140. Get you back to the show notes for today. Have a little issue that you're struggling with, a little hitch in your giddy-up, a little, a little obstacle in your running path that uh, you might could use a little boost getting over? Hey, we got consult calls for that. If that's something that might be helpful for you, get yourself on the calendar. Dizruns.com slash consultation is the link. Get it scheduled. We'll get on the phone or the Skypes or the Zooms or the whatever. And uh, we'll talk it through. We'll talk it through. Give you some clarity. 
maybe give you some some advice, a couple of different options that, that you can pursue, whichever one seems like it's the best fit for you, and hopefully make that obstacle a little bit easier to navigate and get back and, and also a little more relaxed about navigating it. You know, see what I did there? Uh, but then allow you to get back on track moving towards whatever goals you might have. Dizruns.com slash consultation. If that could be of, of use to you, happy to try to help you out if I can. And with that, let's go ahead and put a bow on this one, y'all. Thanks for the time. Thanks for the attention. Thanks for taking Owen and I with you today. Until next time, y'all be well. Take good care. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon, all right? Later, y'all.